You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Come on, good morning, everybody. God has given you enough grace to see another day. I'm alive. I'm thankful. I just took a breath. I'm good. I even had breakfast this morning. Today has been a a good day, and I hope that you feel the same way. It's a good day. So good morning. morning. I'm glad that you're here. Let's welcome in all of our friends watching from all around the world with a big round of applause. Come on. Hey, we're so glad that you could join us today via the miracle of the interwebs. I'm glad you could make it. And if you grab your Bible, 2 Corinthians is where we're going to spend some time, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And as we're doing that, I just want to say thank you for your generosity. You guys are an amazing church, and we're only able to do this because you continually give and make this possible. So let me just say from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys are awesome. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to continue on with our series called One Small Step. Somebody say it with me. One Small Step. There are steps of faith that God has for you to take. I may not know what your next step is, but I know you have one. I know that God is a God of order and steps, and God is always leading his people someplace. And so if it's been a while since you've taken a step of faith, then today is going to be your day. Come on, somebody. It's going to be your day. I believe God has great things in store for us as we dig into his words. God's going to speak to you. God's going to reveal stuff to you. And I believe that you, as a faithful uh, listener, are going to be able to do exactly what God is speaking to you to do as you trust him. So as we continue on with our series, we're going to move to, uh, to the next part, which is called the heart steps. Somebody say the heart steps. The heart steps. Now, if you're, uh, if, if you're new around here, if you haven't seen this series, we're kind of equating all this back to man's first steps on the moon. When Neil Armstrong stepped off the lunar module in 1969, man, it was a powerful moment, not just for our country, but for the world. Now, I'm a 70s kid, so by the time I got around to understanding this, this was a little bit past its time, and so it was just kind of fact, and it kind of became boring, but as I started like researching back all the events that had to unfold around man walking on the moon, I was shocked about the crazy things that happened. Did you know that moon dirt smells, that it has a really strong odor to it? And by the time they got the moon rocks back to planet Earth, it didn't, it didn't smell the same way anymore, but they were shocked when they took off their helmets and smelled what moon rocks smelled like. They said it, it smells like, uh, like burnt ash that's been wet, like rained on ash. It has a strong odor of something that's been burned. And by the time they came back to, to the planet, uh, they had to stick them in quarantine because of the, the, the smell they had talked about, and they were afraid, like, what if they bring him back some kind of weirdo, exotic space disease? And so they put them in quarantine. So you're not the first person that only had to walk in quarantine. The, the astronauts had to do it in the 60s as well. Uh, moon dirt smells. I didn't know that, but now you do. Little, little piece of history there for you. I also didn't know this at the time, that Neil Armstrong, when he stepped foot on the moon, did you know what his salary was that year? 27K. That dude made $27,000 a year to step foot on the moon. Now, uh, we would all agree that that's 1969 money. And for some of us, you're like, 27K? That brother was getting paid. That's what I'm talking about. I long for the day when I can make me a $27,000 job. Well, be an astronaut. Get that kind of money. But at the time, to send a man to the moon, NASA had spent $355 million. $1969. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Neil Armstrong, and I know that this thing costs $355 million and you're paying me 27 k there's going to be some problems. 
Like nobody else is up here but me. I'm the only one willing to step off of the lunar module onto another planet. 27K this year, that would bother me. Have you ever been in a position where you assigned your value to what you made? Have you ever been in a position where you saw what was coming in and you're like, wait a minute, that's not... What are you paying me? Now, I was, uh, I was young into ministry and I was working part-time at the church and part-time for a pest control company and I did that for years and my boss came to me one day and said, hey, you've done a fantastic job. We'd like to uh, make you a supervisor. I'm like, sweet, let's talk about money, come on. And uh, he says, we're gonna give you a raise to $35,000 a year and I'm like, I called my wife, we are having steak tonight, we are in the money, we on easy street, baby, 35K, your husband's rolling in the Benjamins. 35K is the most I'd made in, in a long, long time, and so this was a big deal for us, and we're like, wow, 35K, like, we'll never have to worry about money again. I was feeling good, man, $35,000, and now I get to be in a little position of, of leadership, and I, I started doing a lot of paperwork, and 35000 was a huge honor. I was happy. I was feeling good, because I'd gotten a raise to 35000 Praise the name of the Lord. The Lord provides. And then he said, part of your duties is to do payroll. Now, I was really happy with my thirty-five k until I saw the payroll of the entire company, and all of a sudden, something happened to my heart. I started assigning value to people based upon what they're paid. And I thought, wait a minute, I work harder than this guy. And you pay him that? And surely she's not worth that. I, how could she make more than me? I've been here longer. You know, what was crazy is that in one moment, I was so grateful, so honored, so thankful for 35000 And the next moment, my heart had gone bad when I started looking at people and saw what he was paying them. You ever been in that position before? You ever thought, man, what happened in my heart right then? What happens when we start assigning value and we correlate that with money? I think we have an interesting dichotomy that happens in our hearts when we do that. And thankfully, hey, God's word has a lot to say about how we budget our money, about how we spend it, how we're generous. It has a lot to say about money. Now, most people either do two things. They take it to the extreme of one side or the other. They either ignore it completely, let's not talk about that at all, or they say things that the Bible doesn't say. And they will use these biblical principles to manipulate people and to destroy their relationship with God by bilking them out of money. And I think all of us are at a place in our lives at one point or another where you felt like, wait a minute, you ripped me off. And it's difficult sometimes for us to reconcile what is happening in our hearts when we've been hurt in the financial field. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the apostle Paul is talking to the, to the first church. He's talking to the people that are in Corinth. And what they had done is when, when Paul was there, he had talked to them about what was happening in Jerusalem. And he said, I, I would love it if you guys wouldn't mind uh, sharing with this church. This, these guys have nothing. And you guys have been a little bit more blessed. Would you mind taking care of them? And they were like, absolutely, we'd love to give. We're generous people. We want to help our brothers and sisters in the other city. We want to make sure that, that what they need is taken care of. We want to be generous. And so Paul recognized they were excited to do it, and Paul was excited to report, like, hey, these guys are going to help you, and it was a big deal. And then right here at the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul's like, you remember that gift that you guys had promised? Now it's time to actually not just promise it, but to do it. And this is where I think many of us find ourselves today. 
There are things that we want to do in the kingdom of God, things that we want to experience, things that we want to step out in faith, and we love to, we're strong, we're eager to do it until it actually comes to the point where you've got to step from wanting to to actually doing it. And so Paul uses a lot of this, uh, a lot of this book, this, this second letter to the Corinthian church, uh, to kind of build up to this point. This is towards the end of the chapter. So I, I like how Paul is like, let me tell you all these great things that are happening and ways that it can benefit you. And by the way, um, that money thing. And by the way, I, I, I like that because it kind of shows that, uh, that Paul is human and did want to mention it till the very end. So if there's ever a time where somebody owes you money, like at least give them a little bit of small talk first. You know, like, hey, how's your kids? How's your family? You guys doing, hey, that hundred bucks that you borrow? What about that? Remember that? You told me you're going to have it by Friday. It's Tuesday, you know. It's that kind of thing. And so Paul's like, I recognize that you guys were really excited to do it, and now it's time to do it, and I'm not sure that you're still excited. So he has this awkward moment where he recognizes their heart may have changed. They really wanted to, but are they going to actually do it? And so this brings us up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to pick it up. And, and, and in verse five and kind of make sure that you understand the background of what is happening because this is often the very hardest thing that we will ever have to do as believers is to start trusting God with our finances. The hardest thing that we will have to do is taking that step of faith when it comes to your finances. So trusting God with my sin, my children, my job, and my eternity is often way more easier than trusting God with my money. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. I will trust God with things like my eternity, but not my paycheck. You guys got awfully quiet. <laughs> Am I the only person that's ever felt that way? Lord, I trust you to take care of my kids, but my money, that's mine. Don't, don't be messing with that. I need that. Lord, I trust you to help me find a job, but don't mess with my finances. Sometimes it's way easier to trust God with things that we love than it is to trust God with that which we know is, is not enough. It's difficult. It's a hard thing. Paul understands this, and so he writes this letter to the church in Corinth and helps to deal with their issue very much the same way he deals with our issues today. Pick it up there, if you would, in verse five. He says, so, concerning that money that you guys have talked about, that you're going to bless the church with, he says, so I thought it was necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift that you promised. He's saying, you might not trust me. You might think I'm, I'm trying to manipulate you, so I'm going to send the brothers, I know that you trust them. They've been through a lot. I know that they're the heroes in the faith. I know that you guys love them. So I want you to see this. Not just me doing this, but I want, you to, I want to send you some heroes, and they're doing it together. So I, I thought it would be good to send them to make sure you know I'm not trying to, to, to mess you around when it comes to finances, because it's a very particular place that people have when you start talking about money. So Paul says, I, I think it's necessary. I'm going to send the brothers. And he says, then it will be ready as a generous gift and not as one grudgingly given. Notice the difference he puts between our gifts. One is given grudgingly. Oh, yeah, I said I would do that. Yeah, that's probably the right thing. Yeah, go ahead. He said, no, 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 don't do that. He said, do it from your heart. Do it and know that it's making a big difference. You guys were excited to do this. So now it's time to do it. Now, don't back out now. Don't let it change your attitude. Do it from your heart. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. I love how he doesn't say, you're not doing this necessarily as a church. It's each of you deciding what we're gonna do together as a church. Each of you. Somebody say, each of you. 
look at me. You're gonna have to make a decision about how God can trust you financially. You have to decide in your own heart. So Paul says, I'm not here to, to manipulate you. I'm gonna send your brothers to encourage you, but you're gonna have to make a decision on whether or not you're gonna follow through with what you know to be the right thing. Each of you should decide. He says, don't do it reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves when we do it and we're, we're happy about it. Not when we're doing it out of some sense of obligation or we feel like we've been manipulated into it. Somebody's forcing us to do it. God loves a cheerful giver. And he says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, somebody say all things, and at all times, somebody say all times. God is able to bless you abundantly in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. I do not like that scripture a lot. It's great when you're preaching. It's not great when you have to live it. He said, I want you to be able to be generous on every occasion. Anytime that God stirs your heart towards generosity, I want your answer to be yes. Like, mm, every time? <laughs> well, not just like once a year. Like right around Christmas, that would be nice. Get a little Christmas bonus and like, okay, I can be generous. So finally at the end of the year, you know, things are starting to calm down. I'm feeling generous and in the Christmas spirit. No, he said, look, I want you to be able to be generous every time God asks you. I want you to do it cheerfully. He says, on every occasion. He says, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it is overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Or in other words, it's, it's bearing fruit in places that you'll never see because God is trusting you and God is taking this seed and producing things all around the world, making a big difference. It matters when you give. So, It'll result, he said, in the overflowing of many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God. He's saying you're, you're proving yourself when you do that. You prove that there's something different living on the throne of your heart than just yourself. You're proving that your finances are God's finances. You recognize that you're a steward, not an owner. That this is what God has blessed me with. And he gets to tell me what he wants me to do with it. He says, by this, you've, you've proved yourself and others are gonna praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you. I love that he says, this is not, this is not just a one-way street, but understand that as you're giving, they're having to receive it. And that's a difficult spot for many of us to be in. Some of us would much rather be on the side where we're able to be generous than the side of having to receive it. I know what it's like to live on both sides of this. I love that we are a generous church. I love seeing the faces of the organizations when they say, thank you, you guys have done miraculous things through your church and through the giving and the generous things that you've done. I love it, because I get to take a lot of credit for that. They're like, you're an amazing pastor. I'm like, I, I don't have much to do with that. It's our generous people. But it sure is nice to be on the side of that where I get to feel like, man, that's, that's pretty cool. I get to sign a check. But it's much different when you're on the other side of it and you're the one needing help. Some of us have been on that side too, where you needed help. You needed God to come through. I wonder which side of that are you on right now? 
things are going well for you and God is encouraging your generosity, or maybe you're on the other side where you're like, man, it has been rough. But sometimes it's hard to receive. It's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to be honest. That We need some help. I wonder which side of that are you on? But Paul says when you guys that have more than enough are able to take care of them, he says your hearts are joined together. Where they recognize that I came to you in, in humility and honesty and vulnerable, in a vulnerable position and, and you helped me. He said that's what the body of Christ is like. And I can trust that those that have a little bit more can help those that don't. Your hearts become joined together. He said, and you prove that there's something different sitting on the throne of your heart. You prove that you're family. And you prove that you're both listening to the Lord. You're able to receive and you're able to give. Sometimes it's a difficult place to be, isn't it? I know what it's like to have uh, moments of great generosity. We've been able to do wonderful things for powerful and great organizations that needed some help. And I know what it's like to desperately need somebody to come through and help me. I know what it's like to have nothing. Some of you have been there at different times of your life. I remember there was a period of three days growing up where we had nothing to eat but an onion, and I'm not exaggerating in any way. It's the truth. I know what it's like to face starvation. As a matter of fact, a lot of the reason why I'm such a pastor of abundance is because I'm used to having to clean my plate. If there was food, you better eat it all. Didn't matter what it tasted like, you're gonna clean that plate. Why? Because there's times where you won't know where your next meal is coming from. I've had to fight through that in my own psyche, in my own mental health of what it means to not have enough. It's affected the rest of my life. It also affects the way that I've stewarded my money. It's been a difficult step for me to trust God with my finances because I know what it's like to not have it. And so when we get to a little place where there's a little bit more money at the end of the month, I wanna save that with every ounce of my being. I wanna hold on to it like, oh, we got a little bit of cushion. Praise God, thank you, you provided. I wanna hold on to it with all that I have. It's difficult sometimes to let go and to trust that God can do more with my yes than I can with my selfishness. I wonder which side of that are you on? So Paul says this, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. God's saying being able to be generous, that's a grace. That's a grace, it's a giving grace. And he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Once again, reminding us that God gave first. And God is modeling something for us as his children for us to follow. God is a giver. You know, you're creative because you serve a creative God. God is a creator. And part of the ways that we can worship him and glorify him is, is through, create, through creating stuff. Some people are extremely creative and some of us would say, well, I'm not creative at all. That just means that you don't draw. But there are things that you build and create and imagine and things that you express yourself in. Why? Because you have a father. And just as he is a creator, he's a giver. But something happens in our hearts when God begins to move upon our, uh, our faith walk, when God asks us to step out in faith where we say, not quite sure. Not sure if I can trust you with that. I like the creative part of you, God. I don't like the giving part of you because it requires something of me. But it, Paul says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Remember, you are of your father and God is making you more like him. He wants you to be a generous son a generous daughter. Do you see this? So Paul is trying to encourage the church in, in the moment where they were, they were really with it, they were, they were anxious to do it, they were happy to do it, and now it's time to do more than just think about it and to make promises. It's now time to actually do it. Now they have to take that step of faith. And so Paul gives us through his word, I think three things that are really important for us to recognize today. 
things that I wanna talk about in the area of taking steps of faith when it comes to your heart and your wallet. So if you're a note taker, write this down. Number one, it takes a step of faith to trust God with my finances. It will. It'll take a step of faith for you to trust God with the finances of your business too. It takes a big step of faith. And I think a lot of times we'll call ourselves faithful, but not full of faith. And we'll celebrate being faithful by holding on to everything and calling it, I'm faithful. And not recognize that when God says, I want you to be full of faith. Do you see the difference? He's the same God. And if you remember the parable that Jesus tells, he talks about the distribution of talents. He's not talking about talents as uh, you're a talented person. Talents are uh, an amount of money. And what we would call faithful, God calls foolish. And that flies in the face of a lot of what we see in Longview, Texas today. We're surrounded by a couple of very, very powerful spirits of darkness. The spirit of legalism, earning my way that God will love me more if I follow all the rules, and the spirit of poverty, where I have to hold on to everything. I'm afraid that God will never give me enough, and I'm gonna call it being faithful. Recognize that your God is a generous God, and he is able to supply everything that you need to do exactly what he's calling you to do. It's important that you know this, because our city doesn't get this, and we are gonna lead the way in generosity and break this power over our city once and for all. Are you still with me? I want you to see this. It takes a step of faith for us to be able to allow God to, to let us step into generosity. It's gonna take a step of faith for you to do that. Most people will never do it because they're afraid. But we are not of those who shrink back, Scripture says. We are those who step forward and become all that God has called us to be. I want you to know that most people will find every reason to never take this step. It is part of our human nature. It is part of our nature to be selfish. You don't believe that? Uh, watch babies. Watch within the top five words that they start saying. One of those first few words is going to be no, and then right after that is going to be the word mine. Right? You don't have to teach a kid how to be selfish. We're born into it. You have to teach them how to share. And learning how to share takes a little bit of pain. The same is true if we're born again. When Christ is sitting on the throne of our hearts, he's gonna push us towards sharing and generosity. And it has not come natural for us. This is why we have to be born again. If you don't think selfishness is part of our human nature, uh, send your kids to preschool for the first time. Sit two little boys down in the middle of a room and put one blue truck in the middle of them and watch what happens. Both of those boys will believe with all of their heart that that blue truck is mine, mine. And they'll try to convince each other of it. If it comes to blows, they're gonna fight over it because this is mine. How dare you take what's mine? When I was little, I asked my dad, I said, Dad, I have the letter M on my hand. What does that mean? He said, that's because when you were little, the first word you said was mine. And God put it on your hand. I believed that for a long time. It's true. And I have to fight that selfishness. I get it. Selfishness is part of our human nature, but it is not God's nature. The Bible tells us in the very beginning when God formed man out of the dust, before he did that, he spoke something. He said, let us make man in our image. And look at me, he still wants to. He still wants you to look more like him. Romans chapter eight says, for those that God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Most of us like the first part of that scripture. 
Well, God foreknew he predestined. Yes, God had me in his mind from the very beginning of all creation. What did he predestine me for? To conform to the image of his son, to look more like Jesus. So what does that mean? That means that God consistently gives us opportunities to become more like him. Unfortunately, most of us will never take it because we're consumed with what is mine. We have to recognize a powerful theological principle. You are a steward, you're not an owner. You are a steward of God's finances. You're not the owner. That means he gets to do with it what he wants. You still with me? So I think we we want to be more generous. We want to be more generous, but we need a little help stepping into it. And this is why Paul says, you know what? I'm going to send the brothers. I'm going to send the brothers. They're going to help you to be able to take the step to do what you promised, what you decided in your heart to do. It's going to be powerful for you, but I recognize that sometimes maybe you don't trust me, so I'm going to send the brothers. We need help. We want to do it, but we need a little help. You still with me? Is this okay? You guys get real quiet when we talk about money. Look, I'm not taking up an offering. Actually, we never have here. We haven't needed to because we understand generosity here. God has done wonderful things through this church. But I believe this best is still yet to come. I don't think we're done. I think our next generation needs to see it as well. We set a pattern for generosity here because we're breaking that poverty mindset over our city. We're breaking it right here. You still with me? Here's the second key I want to make sure you see. Number two, it takes a step of faith to lead my heart and to not let my heart lead me. This is really important because as soon as I start talking about finances and generosity, our hearts go to two extremes. Some of us are like, yes, I would love to give it all away right now. And the others of us are like, I am not down with that at all. I don't know what you're talking about. Let's come back next Sunday and see if we can't go at least one for two. Don't like this. Our hearts go to two extremes. I'm either with you and want to give it all away or I am not with you and I will do nothing. Notice what's happening inside of your heart. It usually goes to two extremes. And I've, by the way, I've been on both sides of that. So I know what I'm talking about. But it's going to take a step of faith for you to lead your heart and to not let your heart lead you. We have a statement here, choices lead, feelings follow. And when we recognize that God is telling us to do something in the area of generosity, you have a choice to make. Will I listen to my selfish heart that the Bible says is wicked? Or will I step out of obedience, recognizing that what God can do with my yes is better than what I can do with my selfishness? It takes a step to do that. You know, the Bible tells us very clearly that your heart is connected to two things, uh, your mouth and your money. That means the more I let you talk, eventually, you're going to tell me what's really going on on the inside. And if I was to go across the street to the bar and get you a little liquid courage, you might tell me a lot faster. There's an old statement that says in vino veritas, right? The more that you drink, the more you tell the truth. Not truth, truth. I'm gonna tell you this. You're gonna tell me who you like and who you don't like. You're gonna tell me what you like about them, what you don't like about them. You might tell me that you love me. You'd never say that to me if you weren't completely blitzed out of your mind. I have a friend of mine that was in the first service and I, I, I told him I wouldn't say his name uh, and I didn't, but I did stare at him. I said, and he's one of those people that he's a man's man and he's not gonna say that he loves me. I know he loves me, he ain't gonna say it. But that dude, <laughs> that dude had surgery, and they put him on some anesthesia, and I'm the first call that he made when he was coming, they were wheeling him out. I said, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I had to call you and let you know I love you so much. I love you. <laughs> I'm like, I know you do, buddy. No, you don't know. I love you. I love you, man. I really do. I never tell you. I never tell you I love you. And I really love you. Like, it's okay, buddy. I reached down on my phone and clicked screen record. 
What were you, what were you saying? I didn't hear oh, I love you so much. I keep saying this is going to be great. But I recognize, like, sometimes it takes them a little, a, a little bit of anesthesia for the truth to really come out. And out of the abundance of the heart, the Bible says your mouth speaks. It's what's really going on there. But it takes a little, a little help sometimes for that heart to say what's really going on on the inside. And he laughed about that. He texted me after the first service is over. He says, by the way, I will tell you, outside of anesthesia, I actually do love you. So let me just say that I do love you. I, do, I, say, I know you do. I've got the proof. <laughs> let me say it this way. Generosity is not about amounts. It's about attitude. Paul says, don't do this under compulsion. As a matter of fact, if you do it because somebody's manipulating you and making you feel a certain way, you get no credit from God. God wants a cheerful giver. He wants you to do it because you love him and because he said so. How many of you have been at that place where you asked your kids to do something and they responded with, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, happy to do it. And you're like, whose kid is this? What if our relationship with the Lord was that way? I didn't ask questions. I said, okay, I trust you. I'm happy to do it. David says in the Psalms, without delay, I hurry to obey your commands. It's my pleasure. I love it. Why? Because I recognize that you're in control of my life. And I can trust you. I want to remind you that this is, uh, as Paul is writing to these people in Corinth about Jerusalem, uh, understand that in their culture, they have every reason not to trust Paul and have every reason to be selfish because they're used to the Romans overtaxing them. They're used to being in poverty. They're used to being hunted down and ripped off. They've been ripped off by their own people, the tax collectors, who are busy adding on extra zeros to the amount of taxes that they owe. There's plenty of excuses for them to say, you know what, I wanted to, just couldn't quite do what I thought I, I, I wanted to do. I, I, let me just speak from common sense. You know, we can give this and maybe we'll make a couple of payments. Paul says, I understand. You've got every reason not to trust me. But it's gonna take a step of faith to lead your heart and not let your heart lead you. So if you're looking for excuses to hoard money, you will always have them. Solomon says, if you're gonna watch the wind, you'll never plant there's always a reason to not give and to take a step back. There's always a reason to say, I can't do that right now. And to miss the opportunity that God gives us when God says, I want you to step out in faith. You still with me? Is this okay? Here's the third and final point. I'll close with this. So when I give, I empty myself to be filled again by God. It's his responsibility to take care of me. Paul says, he who supplies Seed to the sower. Seed to the sower. And bread for food. I love that God says, uh, I'm going to provide seed. Didn't say, I'm going to provide you a harvest to give out of the abundance. I'm going to give you seed. And God provides seed. Interesting, though, that Jesus always talks about the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, and he gives these parables over and over. And Jesus speaks a lot in agricultural terms. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer going out to, to spread his seed. And the disciple says, what are you talking about? He says, well, the farmer is the father. And he's scattering seed, believing that what he's scattering is gonna produce great things. The kingdom of heaven is like that. And in here, Paul says, now, that same father is saying that you're a reflection of him. Now God's giving you seed. You need to do what you're seeing the Father do. Jesus reminds us in the most famous verse of all time that God so loved the world that he gave. Your God is a generous God. He gave till it hurt. God gave first. And Jesus says, I'm only doing what I see my Father do. I'm only speaking what I see my Father speak. 
And Jesus tells his disciples, greater works than these shall you do. Never in the history of ever has there been a farmer who tilled up his ground, who made sure that the soil was ready, who made sure that it was at the right time. Never in the history of ever has a farmer scattered seed then walked into his house and said, I've, I've lost all my seed. What am I going to do? I, I put it all to the ground. Oh, never in the history of ever has that happened because they understand the law of the harvest. It has to be put into the ground at the right time in the perfect conditions, and it will produce. Why? Because God has ordained that from the beginning of time. The law of the harvest, you will reap what you sow. And Paul says you're going to reap how you sow. Sparingly, that you only experience the sparingly part of your generous God. If you step out and show him that you're generous when he asks you to be, you get to see the generous God on your behalf. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food is able to bless you abundantly so that in all times and on all occasions you can be generous. I only do what I see my father do. What a powerful thing. I'd like to say it this way. I heard a great quote this week that says, Christians are giving people and in giving, we lose nothing. We prove that our faith does not depend upon our finances. I wonder where is your faith? What does your faith depend on? What can God trust you with? It's a great question. I think for some of us, we would be a lot more generous if we didn't have a track record of being abused by people that did things with our finances that we thought was wrong. I know what that feels like. I know what it's like to try to be generous, try to be obedient, and then someone that was responsible for managing that does stupid things. And it's very, very easy for me to say, I, I'm not gonna do that because I don't trust you. I get it. But the Lord helped me with a powerful revelation one time where God says, your job is not to decide how they handle it. Your job is to be obedient and say yes or no when I ask you to move. Let me deal with them. But you, you're different. It's easy for me to close up my heart when I don't trust what's happening and to be disobedient to what God is asking me to do. I want to be more like my father. I want to be generous when he says to move. I want to be able to take a step of faith when he asks me to take a step of faith. Because in every other area of my life, I'm doing this. This is the one that's most difficult for people because of what we've seen happen. I wonder, is that the same for you? So when I do what my father does, God is most glorified in my life. You ever seen the mirror game? You ever watch your kids play the mirror game where one person tries to copy the other ones? For some of us, it's like super annoying. You're copying me, you're copying me, you're copying me. I want to remind you that's a very biblical principle when we look at the father. My father says, do what I'm doing. God says, be holy as I'm holy. Be generous as I'm generous. As you see me do, you do. And I'm most glorified in your life when you do what I'm doing. You serve a very generous God who's been able to bless you. We live in the most blessed time, in the most blessed nation. God is doing great things all around you. You've been given a lot. Just the fact that you drove here in a car, that you have a home, a bed to sleep in, that you know where your next meal is coming from. Just because you have those things, you are more wealthy 
than the majority of people who have ever lived on the face of the planet. So I want to ask you to take a step of faith. I wonder, where are you? For some, you've never given. And I want to challenge you to take one step of faith. I want to ask you to give one dollar. It's not about the amount, it's about the attitude. I want to challenge you, according to God's word, if you've never given, to give one dollar. One small step. And show the Lord, Lord, I'm trusting you. It takes a lot for me, but I'm going to do that. For others, you've given a couple of times before. I want to ask that you do something that maybe you've never tried to give consistently. To spend the next month, over the next four Sundays, whatever amount you've decided to do, each, each one, Paul says, must decide what he's going to give. Now, don't do it under manipulation or compulsion, but do it cheerfully. I want to challenge you to do it consistently. If you've given before, over the next four weeks, the first church had a habit of setting aside an amount on the first of the week that they would honor the Lord with. It's very biblical. I want to ask you to be consistent over the next four weeks. Take one small step. Maybe for others, your step is a tithe. Tithe means 10%. That's a big step for a lot of people to take, and I get it. I understand. If you've never done that before, I want to ask you, I want to challenge you to tithe 10% of the gross of your income on the first of the week or the first time that you get your paycheck to honor God before you pay any other bill. That's a difficult thing for many people to do, but it's biblical. For some of you, like I've been tithing my entire life. It's just part of how we live and I understand this, I get it. I wanna, I wanna challenge you, if you've, if you've given 10%, to increase it by 1%. Go from 10% to 11. This is part of the principles that my wife and I put into, uh, put into our family. We don't give it a 10% rate anymore. We try every year to increase it one percentage point. Now, there are some years we're able to do that. Some years have been tough, depending upon who's in the White House and what we have to complain about. <laughs> but I checked this week, and I was embarrassed. I checked with, with Pastor Mark. I said, can you look at my giving? Look it up. And I want to see, based upon what the church pays me, um, what I've been able to give, just specifically to this church. There are other organizations that we support, but I want to see what percentage point I'm giving back to this church. And he said, you're at 14%. And I'm like, ah, because we've been as high as 17%. Now, the year's not over yet, and I'm trying to get better. But my wife and I, we look and we were like, wait, we're at 17%. We've been here seven years. This is year eight for us. So I'm trying to get to 18%. Why? Because I love being generous. And I know what it's like to have nothing. I know what it's like to have an onion to eat for three days and be begging God for help because I'm hungry as a little kid. And I know what it's like for God to stir people's hearts and they pulled up into the front of our house with $300 worth of groceries and set it on our porch and said, God moved in our heart to bless you guys. Not sure if you could use this. I'm like, you have no idea. These boys are hungry. We've got four kids to feed. I know what it's like when God comes through. I know what it's like to see a generous God stir the hearts of generous people. And I know what it's like to be sitting on the other side of that and say, I don't feel like giving because I'm not sure if I can trust God and realize the ridiculousness of that statement. So my wife and I have determined that that's how we're gonna raise our family. We are generous people because I don't wanna be locked into a spirit of poverty for the rest of my life. God's been able to bless us tremendously. I love being a blessing to God's people. So I want to ask you to take one small step to increase one percentage point of whatever it is that you normally give. You can do the math if you need some help. I'm sure somebody can help you. That ain't me. But one of the greatest moments that my wife and I have, one of the most joyous occasions is when we sit down to do our taxes. And that shouldn't be very joyous for anybody. I don't care what you're walking through. It's never a fun time. But 
the greatest time that we have is when we look at our finances and recognize our charitable gifts. And I see the amount that we've made and our charitable gifts, and we look at each other and calculate a percentage, and we always start laughing hilariously because God loves a cheerful giver, and we give each other a high five. Boom, done. I love what God can do with the generosity of my family. It's a lesson I've had to walk through my entire life, ups, downs, ins, and outs. I've learned that God can be trusted with my finances, and if I can trust him with my kids, with my job, with my future, with my eternity, with moving to Longview when I knew no one here, I can certainly trust him with my finances, and so can you. It's a heart step. I wanna challenge you to take it. Is that okay, everybody? As we finish up today, I wanna pray for you, specifically those that are struggling right now in the area of finances. I wanna pray for you, but I'm not just gonna pray that God would meet all of your needs. I'm gonna pray that God will unlock generosity and that you will have a story to tell from what you've had to struggle through. That God will show up and you will have learned a powerful lesson that you'll be able to tell other people about. Let me tell you where I was and what God's blessed me with. Let me tell you why I'm so generous. That's what I'm gonna pray for you. For everyone else, I'm gonna pray that you take a step of faith in the area of your finances and generosity, that you're not just hearing the word, but you become a doer of it and watch what God can do on your behalf. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for my friends that are walking through a difficult time. I pray for those that are struggling. Father, we've all been there at one time or the other. We've all had moments where we weren't sure if we could trust you. And so, Father, for everyone walking through a difficult season, I pray, Lord, that you would use this for our good, that you would teach us valuable lessons, that we would not waste this pain, we wouldn't waste this season, that we would learn that you are a God that provides. You are Jehovah Jireh, the Hebrew name that you introduced yourself in the book of Genesis. The Lord will provide. Lord, you tell us the Lord will provide. This is not some past action the Lord has provided. You said the Lord will provide. That means it's a future event. I trust you that you will provide for me, that my faith doesn't have to be in my money. My faith is in you. I ask that you would walk our people through this difficult season and remind them that you're the God that provides. You've never let us down. You're not gonna start now. I ask that you provide for every person hurting and walking through a season of lack. I pray that this would be a week of breakthrough and turnaround for them. That you would come through in mighty, powerful ways to bring glory to your own name. The name of Jesus. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, perhaps you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, if I'm, if I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't have a, a relationship with the Lord. I, I, I need that. My friend, if you are far from God and you need to come home or if you've never asked Christ to forgive you of your sins, this is that moment for you. I wanna ask you to pray a prayer with me right where you are. I'll tell you what to say, but if you need a relationship with Jesus, pray this prayer with me. You can do it out loud. You can do it in your heart. It doesn't matter. The most important thing is that you believe it. Pray this prayer right where you are. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you came and died and rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for my sins. I ask you to come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of all of my sins and take over. I give my life to you right now in Jesus' name. And now with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that was you and you prayed that prayer, would you do me a favor? Would you look up at me and lift your hand all across this place? That was me, Pastor. I see you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I see you, young man. Perhaps you're watching online. You're saying, I did that. I did that. Well, there's a number appearing on your screen, the same as in the house today. 
And I would love for you to text the number on your screen. Text the words, I prayed, to 844-HRC-TEXT. If you do that, I'm gonna send you the link to some things that I've made just for you to help you understand what just happened and what to do next. It's my greatest joy to lead people to Jesus. Thank you for trusting me with that. Go ahead and stand to your feet if you would. Look up at me and stand to your feet. And if you're watching online, you liked what you heard, you believe our world needs to hear more of the message of Jesus, would you click the share button? That always means a lot to us. Every single week, I'm blown away with the fact that our people are sharing this message with their friends all around the world. You're making a difference, and it matters. It matters. Every week, we watch people as they respond uh, from all around the world, and they say stuff like, I just prayed to receive Christ. I'm sitting in the middle of Taiwan right now. I'm like, wow, that's awesome how the message is getting out because God's people are sharing it. Thank you. Thank you for trusting us with that. It means the world. We're gonna have our elders and their wives step forward to be available to pray with anyone that might need prayer. They're gonna stay here as the service ends just for you. We'd love to pray for you. If you have a prayer request and you're watching online, go ahead and type that in the chat and say, I need some prayer. We would love to reach out to you and pray for you. And we believe that God hears and answers prayer. I hope you do too. We've seen the fruit of what happens when God's people pray. Let me bless you and send you out as we go today. Father, would you bless my friends with an incredible week following after you all week long. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said together, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an awesome week. Good to see you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com slash give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.